Who do you aim to please? Who do you aim to please? Um, Thank you for the honor and privilege of sharing this morning. Uh, Let me tell you what the Lord's laid on my heart. For the past four weeks on Monday nights, with four more weeks to go, Dan Long, Lynn Richards, Andy Berkebile, and myself have been traveling over to a church on the West Shore that is conducting a course originated by Pastor Pete Cazero entitled Emotional Healthy Spirituality. Now, we're attending for our own spiritual growth as well as exploring the possibility in the future of, of bringing this course to East Shore Baptist Church. The, the premise of the course is too complex to whittle down to just one sentence, but an important component of the course is about improving the depth and effectiveness of our daily quiet time or prayer life with God. They call it slow down spirituality. So participating in this course, as well as reading the homework assignments, has reminded me of the struggle I have in consistently placing God first and foremost in my own life. So the Lord laid on my heart that perhaps others, maybe even you, might be struggling with this issue of pleasing God first and foremost in your lives as well. So, what does not making God the top priority in Tom's life look like? Well, it most often looks like these two very despicable things. Number one is selfishness, and number two is falling into an old habit of mine, which is constantly seeking the approval of others. So on your outline, and hopefully you got one, it's one of these white papers. If not, there's more in the back. On your outline, I'm going to go ahead now and give you the first fill-in for number one, which is the sin of glorifying yourself. The sin of glorifying yourself, otherwise known as selfishness. And for those of us here who might have a tendency to be selfish, everyone, we're in good, or should I say bad, company. From the Bible, we have several characters that most of us are familiar with, and even if you're not, the point of them acting selfishly will be made clear to you. Starting in Genesis 4, we have Cain as an example of someone who had no concern for anyone else but himself. We remember that God rejected Cain's disingenuous sacrifice while accepting that of his brother. By the way, just as an aside, do you know for how long a period of time Cain hated his brother? As long as he was able I'll be here. I'll be here all week, folks. I'll be here all week. (laughs) So, Cain was extremely jealous and having no regard for anyone but himself, he eventually ended up murdering his brother. In 1 Kings 21, we have this guy named King Ahab, and he coveted a vineyard that belonged to a man named Naboth. Now, Naboth wouldn't sell his vineyard to King Ahab. After all, it had been in Naboth's family for years. So King Ahab went home pouting to his wife. So then his wicked wife, Jezebel, had Naboth unjustly killed and then gleefully gave the vineyard to King Ahab, who was thrilled beyond belief. Note that King Ahab gave no thought to Naboth or his family. He had what he wanted. Now you might be thinking, well, Tom, those are extreme examples of selfishness that resulted in murder. Fair enough. 
How about an example from the New Testament where in Matthew 20, the apostles James, the apostles James and John selfishly desired power and prestige for themselves. They asked Jesus if they could have the most meaningful position in Jesus' kingdom, not to help others, but to have their own egos inflated and fulfilled. They didn't care how their request affected the other apostles. They just wanted what they wanted, and they were willing to alienate themselves from others if that's what it took. Brothers and sisters, whenever you do what you do because you want what you want, you are being selfish and glorifying yourself, and it displeases God greatly. Number two on your outline. Number two on your outline is the sin of glorifying others. The sin of glorifying others. For me, and perhaps for you, this sin manifests itself when I constantly battle with the need for approval from others. During many years of my working career in the school system, I went above and beyond for others, not so that they would see Jesus in me, but so that they would love me more or admire me more. This need for others' approval dropped off considerably when I was pretty sick some years ago, but as I continue to regain health, this old sinful habit has resurfaced. In one of our emotionally healthy spirituality devotions, this preoccupation with placing a high premium on what other people think was illustrated in this excerpt we're going to look at in just a minute. It's by author M. Scott Peck, and it's about him meeting an old high school buddy. And we're going to hear what was going through his mind before he saw him, while he was talking to him, and after. Let's look. I suddenly realized that for the entire 10-minute period from when I had first seen my acquaintance until that very moment, I had been totally self-preoccupied. For the two or three minutes before we met, all I was thinking about was the clever things I might say that would impress him. During our five minutes together, I was listening to what he had to say only so that I might turn it into a clever rejoinder or response. I watched him only so that I might see what effect my remarks were having upon him. And for the two or three minutes after we separated, my sole thought was of those things I could have said that might have impressed him even more. I had not cared a whit for my classmate. That story struck a real chord with me. That's what people pleasers do. They use other people to feed their own selfish desires and idols. Being a people pleaser may sound like a virtue, but it is not. That same devotion I just read from ended with this thought-provoking question. And the question is, how might it change your day today if you were to cease looking for human approval and begin seeking only the approval of God? That's a powerful question. That's a powerful question. Now, certainly God's word speaks to this issue. Uh, In the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul is is a little fed up, and he doesn't care who knows about it. And, And he has really had it with the church of Galatia because they're accepting a false gospel just so they could fit in. Look at this verse, Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
This principle of who are you really trying to please is further illustrated in a verse from Colossians. Now, this verse happens to be the theme verse for a Christian organization called Audience of One. Whose spokesperson is the starting quarterback for a professional team that shall remain nameless? So, let's look at that verse. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Now, sometimes we need to have small celebrations and we need to celebrate growth. So I'm going to tell you a short story about someone in here who didn't know I was going to say it. I think they're in here, and that person is Jeff Glessner. About 10 years ago, Jeff Glessner and I were here on a Saturday workday, and we were putting a kickstand on the bottom of that door that takes you right out to the parking lot, and it wasn't cooperating. And finally, we got it halfway done, and Tom's thinking, good enough. And I said that to Jeff, and Jeff said, yeah, but there's that one verse in the Bible that says, when you're working, work for the Lord, not for men. And so he continued at it for another 20 minutes until it was perfect. And that always stuck with me. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Jeff's growth in the past 10 years, that he is one of the most having God conversations, sharing the gospel, work people in our congregation. He has more God conversations in one month where he works than many of you might have had in the past year. And I think that speaks to growth, and we need to celebrate that. One vital truth that I constantly have to remind myself is that not everyone will approve of me or love me, but the one who matters most will never stop showing approval to me or loving me. God's love for me does not ebb and flow. It does not waver. It does not increase or decrease. It is consistent. Praise God for this truth. So, how do you prevent your goal in life from being to please yourself or to please others? What is the antidote, as it were, to cure the disease of being a selfish, people-pleasing person? Number three on your outline is the blessing of glorifying God. The blessing of glorifying God. He created you in his image. He loves you, and he'll never stop loving you. Surely he is worthy of our praise. And when we make it our aim to please him, we had a verse up earlier, 2 Corinthians 5, 9a, um, so we make it our goal to please him. When you do that, your desire to please others will fade. That, that, again, that comes from Corinthians and the rest of that passage. Paul goes on to say that as long as we're in these earthly bodies, we should give every ounce of energy to pleasing God because one day we'll be in front of the judgment seat. So, for those of you who are more visual learners, let me put this all together in a small diagram that many of us have used in the biblical counseling. So look at number four on your outline, please. Number four on your outline, it should look like something like the diagram that's up here. Except the one difference is, on the right-hand side, we have three words in blue. We have the word heart in the middle of heart, so write that in, please. Feelings in the box, and self in others written up top. As you're writing those down, so let me talk about this just for a minute. So we, we, we have a, an idea, an inkling, a stirring, and that begins in our heart. And we think about it, we get to that dot where we make a decision, and we have two choices. And we have two choices. We're either going to glorify ourselves and others. And why do, we, why do we always tend to go to the right? Why do we always, you know, as big as my ears are, you wouldn't think this would be a problem. Why do we always tend to go to the right? Because we make decisions based on our feelings. 
We make decisions based on our feelings. Now, everything starts in our heart, right? So we think that's a good place to start. Well, not really. You, you don't have this verse, but let me read Matthew um, fifteen nineteen for you. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Because of the fall in Genesis 3, this is where we all start. I know we're sitting here right now and we look nice and we smell pretty and we look sophisticated, but we are sinful human beings every, underneath, every single one of us, sinful human beings. And so every time we have a thought or an idea that generates in our heart, that is what we're dealing with. And so how does that play out? We think about it and then we choose to glorify ourselves. Let's, let's look at this a little bit more closely and look at the next slide. I've got two more words for you to put in. On the bottom line, easy. On the top word, hard. Easy and hard. Let me explain this. So we get an idea, we think about it, and we whoop, we go this way. Why? Because, man, it's easy to make decisions that glorify yourself, right? It's easy to be selfish. I've been doing it for 58 years. That just, that's my default. That's just easy. But the more you continually make decisions that glorify yourself, eventually it's going to be what? Hard. It's going to be hard. Why does always choosing to glorify ourselves or others end up making our lives harder? Listen to this verse, Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man, what? Reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from that Spirit will reap eternal life. Brothers and sisters, when you constantly go that way and choose what is easiest for you and make yourself the number one priority or other people, it dishonors God and it leaves you empty and broken. Let's look at the other side of the diagram. Let's look at the other side of the diagram. Two words in blue I'd like you to write in. At the top, glorifying God. In the box down below, God's kingdom. God's kingdom. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I see God's kingdom, I think of Matthew 6, But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you see the difference here? Instead of making decisions based on our feelings, we're making decisions that are going to advance God's kingdom advance God's kingdom. Let's look at two more words. Next slide, please. Got two more words for you to write in hard on the bottom and then easier up above it. So let's talk about this. You have an idea. You have a genesis in your heart. You think about it. It's time to make a decision and you decide you're going to glorify God. And guess what? It is hard to do that. It was hard yesterday, it'll be hard today, it'll be hard in the future. Brothers and sisters, when you're glorifying God, it's going to be hard. Those are tough decisions. But the more you do it, the what it becomes, the easier. Notice that word does not say easy. It never really becomes easy because the whole world is fighting against you. But the more you do it, the easier it comes. Can you imagine what was going through Jeff's mind the first time he had a God conversation with someone at work? I bet he, there was a major battle inside him, and he just wanted to keep his mouth shut and not say anything. But instead, he chose to please God. And now, it's never easy for him, but it's easier. Easier. Now, so we have this diagram. Perhaps some of you are kinesthetic learners. 
So we're going to do a little hand exercise here, okay? Humor me. Humor me, okay? Put your Bible down. Put your Bible down. Okay, shake it out. Shake it out. Shake it out. All right, here we go. Just put the palms of your hands together like this. And I know you don't have to, just in front of your chest is fine. And I know that feels weird. That's not a natural position except for the ladies. I've seen my wife do that thing with, all I know is she smells better after she does it. I don't know what's going on. But so this is just like the Y in our diagram. Decision, and now just shake your right hand back and forth. So this is when we glorify ourselves. This is our default, just your right hand. This is our go-to and stop that hand. Or we can choose to glorify God. It comes down as simple as that, as simple as that, a choice between the two. Put your hands together. What's it look like you're doing? Drop all your fingers except your pointer fingers. So let's start again. Here we go. Here we go. So we got a decision, glorify self, glorify God, pray, and choose him. Good job, everybody. Good job. Good job. Let's look. Now, listen, it's a it's impossible to go through all different scenarios, but I'm just going to share a couple with you. And you think about it, and do, do any of these apply to your own life? If you are a school student here, middle school, high school, um, college, you have decisions. You can choose to glorify yourself, and you cannot talk about God to your best friends, right? Some of these kids you've known since elementary school. You would tell them news, sports, weather, who you like, who you don't like, what teacher you like. You'll tell them intimate details about your life, but you're not going to talk to them about Jesus because that's awkward. Or you can choose to glorify God. And you can, you can determine that it's more important for them to hear about Jesus than to get over being awkward. And you can speak to them, pray, and choose him. Perhaps you're a single person here. You have a decision to make. You can be sexually active. Everybody's doing it, and it feels good. And guess what? For the time, it does feel good. Or you can choose to glorify God, and you can remain pure. And even if you've already been sexually active, you can rededicate yourself to God and have your life glorify Him. Pray and choose Him. Perhaps you're a married person. You have a decision to make. You can choose to take your spouse for granted. Men, you can choose not to be the spiritual head of your family. Just slough those de- th- that off. You don't want to handle it. Ladies, you can choose not to be submissive. And by the word, that word submissive does not mean, you know, yes, master. That word submissive in the biblical sense means to fulfill your role and to be a helper to your husband. There are many, many verses in the Bible about helper, and you know who most of them ap- apply to? Jesus Christ. So that's a good place to be. Pray and choose him. Pray and choose him. Parents, parents, you got a decision to make. You can give in to the physical exhaustion. You can give in to the culture and not establish rules and boundaries for your kids. You're just tired of the battles, and it's easier just to let them do what they want. Or you can choose to glorify God and gain strength from God and put loving limits and boundaries on your kids because it's in their best interest. Pray and choose him. Those of you who are in the workforce, you have a decision to make. You can choose to glorify yourself and participate in office or work or school gossip and slandering and talking. And maybe you're not even the one saying the crude, mean stuff, but you're there smirking and you're laughing or you're just being silent. Well, guess what? You're still complicit. Or you can choose to glorify God and you cannot participate in that and you can get up and move away. And you can let your yes be yes and your no 
be no. Pray and choose him. Perhaps you are in the workforce and you have a decision to make. You can do the minimum requirements because it's easier and, and just do enough to get by because that's what everyone else is doing. Or you can choose to glorify God and be a model employee and give 100% even if you don't like your boss and you don't like your job. You love God and you're still going to give 100%. Pray and choose him. My senior saints here, you have a decision to make. You can stop serving in the church because you're old and you're tired or you feel you're old and you're tired. And you can spend more time worrying about your preferences as to the type of songs we sing or what the altar call should or shouldn't look like rather than the advancement of the gospel. Or you can choose to glorify God, which, praise God, most of our seniors do. And you're going to serve God for as long as you can and till your last breath, if need be pray and choose him i think of you know sam who leads our worship this is my recollection forgive me if it's wrong but i think his mom passed on a sunday afternoon on sunday morning she wasn't in the sanctuary during church you know why she was serving on the prayer team and praying for folks in here to be moved by the spirit serving until the end for all of us for all of us uh oh let's get personal you have a choice to give money to church i don't really tithe we have no plan or I've given the same amount now that I gave in 1985. And, you know, God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for my eyesight. Thank you for my life. But when it comes to money, what's mine is mine. Or you can choose to glorify God. And you can give cheerfully with the knowledge that it's all his anyhow. Pray and choose him. And the last one I'll do is, is <laughs> driving. Driving. Joe Styles, Driving. So you, <laughs> so we can, there could be an aggressive driver in front of us who cuts us off or something like that. We can choose to go off. We can choose to return in kind. We can be aggressive right back at them. Or we can choose to glorify God and just slow down and get away from them. And then pray for them. Dear God, please help that person get where they're going, and I pray they know you, because the way they're driving, they're probably going to see you soon, okay? <laughs> pray and choose them. So listen, folks, it comes down to a simple thing, aiming to please God. It's big things like relationships, addictions, but it's also little things like your diet, what you watch on TV, what you find funny, the clothes you wear, the language you use. It's a simple choice. Please yourself or please God. So as we begin to wrap this up, if you claim to be a believer and your number one priority or goal must be to please God. So we make it our goal to please him. All of your decision making must be based on making choices that glorify him. Living selfishly to just glorify yourself can be brought under control when you fully submit to our selfless God. Seeking the approval of others can be brought under control when you remember that Jesus is your audience of one. Besides, that sterling reputation that you think you so desperately need, that'll be taken care of if you're choosing to please God. But instead, you'll be giving credit to the name Christian rather than just serving to build ourselves up. And finally, you must understand that the only way you'll have the fortitude and the perseverance 
to not choose yourself and to consistently choose God is to know God in your heart, to be a believer, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never repented or turned from your sins and asked Jesus into your heart, or if you're not even sure what those words mean, then that's okay. Own it. Own it. But be intentional and talk to somebody who can tell you what those words mean because it's a matter of life and death. During our time of response, you can come up and see me, but if that sends your freak meter over walking in front of people, then talk to somebody afterwards, one of the pastor's elders, deacons. And they can tell you because it will be the most important decision you'll ever make in your life, but it's a decision you have to make. Coming to church won't save you. Being a good person won't save you. Only that relationship. Find out how. For my brothers and sisters here who do know Jesus, no more excuses. No more excuses for you and for me. You need to do better in your daily quiet time. You need to choose to glorify God by guarding your eyes and not looking at explicit materials. You need to glorify God by spending quality time with your family. You need to be a good steward of your resources. You need to give 100% at school or at work or to be a husband or a wife. You need to guard your mouth and you need to choose God and share the gospel where you live, work, and play. Why should we... So Tom, it sounds like it's really hard to choose to glorify God. Well, yes, it is. It is. But my goodness, the benefits, folks. Eternity. Spending eternity with Christ in heaven. Having that contentment and peace, which is like a warm blanket from your head to your toes. That peace that passes all understanding. So, why should we choose and make it our goal to please God? As our pastor reminds us almost every single week, because, say it with me, He is worthy. One more time, He is worthy.